Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. Welcome listeners to this empowering episode of Mission Mill Spouse. We're excited, caffeinated, and ready to help you navigate this military life. I'm your host, Lindsay Rauch, your Mission Mill Spouse content curator, and this is episode number 972. Joining me today is our wonderful Chrissy Gibbs, our Director of Development. Hi, Lindsay, and thank you for that warm welcome. I'm excited to be hosting with you today. Listeners, We've got a great show for you. So grab a beverage of your choice, settle in or lace up your shoes if you're listening while you're getting your workout and get ready for your weekly dose of military life empowerment. On today's show, we'll hear an interview conducted by our executive director, Sharita Knobloch, as she chats with guest Megan Brown, who wrote the book, Know What You Signed Up For. I'm really looking forward to chatting about this interview, but Chrissy, what has military life been throwing at you lately? Lately, military life has been super busy. We are in like a heavy season of spring sports and activities. And um, it's one of those things having multiple children, any number of children, I guess, you know, you're going to end up being the taxi or chauffeur at some point in your life. But I just kind of forgot that um, it would be easier to have my children in all the same sports at the same times. And they're all four in different things. And I'm constantly just driving from one place to another. (laughs) What about you? Oh man. Well, when you say that, so I have a one-year-old and then another baby on the way. Um, (gasps) but I just, I think about that. Yeah. I think about that though. Like now looks so different, but there's going to like when the sports come and all of that, like, okay, if they want to be in different sports and have all their different activities. So, um, definitely kudos to you for navigating all those different schedules. Cause that's a lot to keep track of, I'm sure. But on our end of things, military life-wise, my husband, sometime in May, they haven't given him when or for how long, but he'll definitely be doing um, some field training. So we're just kind of gearing up for that and waiting oh, cool. to see what that will look like. Our six-year wedding anniversary is in May. So I'm like, can I, we at least just know if it's going to be over that? But I think it's just- time to celebrate right now while you still have them around. Get a date right. night or something in. Get, call that babysitter up and just, you know, schedule it when you know you can. Right. I think that's the part of military life I'm definitely still adjusting to because I'm still in the mindset of like, eh, we'll work out or like our wedding anniversary falls on um, the four-day weekend in May. Um, oh, got and you. so when we were civilians, we were like, this is perfect. We'll know we'll always have it off. And now it's like... In a normal well, life, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're right. You know what? This weekend, we're just going to, I guess, celebrate. I'm just going to make I think it that's the best way to do it because then who knows, maybe we'll get two celebrations if he does end up still being around. But at least you know you did something together and we're intentional with your time with one another. True. Well, thank you very much for pushing me to have the celebration. And like you said, if two happen, then I definitely won't complain as well. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Always, always date your spouse. That's always like my best advice. <laughs> true. True that. Well, it has been so fun to catch up with you and hear what's been going on, Chrissy. 
Even the most seasoned spouses could use some encouragement. So whether you're just joining the military life or you have more PCS stickers stuck on your furniture than you care to mention, we've got something for you. Here now are some other members of our Mission Mill Spouse Command Team with their insightful and uplifting resources. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute. Hey there, Mission Mill Spouse. It's Amy Fisher, your Deputy Director of Empowerment here with a new Moxie word this week. And that word is audacious. For military spouses, being audacious can mean having the courage to pursue your dreams and ambitions despite the challenges that come with the military lifestyle. It means being bold, daring, and willing to take risks. This week, I read about Mary Edwards Walker, the only female to be awarded the Medal of Honor. She was also a women's rights advocate, an abolitionist, a spy, and even a prisoner of war for about four months. Walker became the first female U.S. Army surgeon during the Civil War. She was even arrested in New Orleans for dressing like a man. Now, she had always worn men's clothing for comfort and hygiene reasons, she said. And she just responded by saying, I don't wear men's clothes. I wear my own clothes. Mary Edwards Walker was truly audacious. Her example should inspire us to have moxie in the face of whatever challenges we may encounter. Now, she also said, quote, you must come to terms with the reality that nothing outside ourselves be it people or things, is actually responsible for our happiness. As a military spouse, you have already shown audacity by committing to a life of service alongside your partner. But don't let it stop there. Be audacious in pursuing your own goals and passions, even if it means taking a different path than you originally planned. And remember, we've got your back. We'd also love to hear about it. If you have a story to share with us about your own moxie or audacity, we would love to hear from you. Message us or email me at Amy. A-M-I-E at missionmillspouse.org so we can chat. All right, as always, thank you for tuning in to us here at Mission Mill Spouse. And until next week, Moxie up. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy all and buckle up for this week's News 6 update. Deer's ID goes digital. If you're one of the lucky few with a good ID picture and want to keep it, or if you just enjoy avoiding the Deer's office like a Best Buy on Black Friday, then I have some good news for you. You can now renew your ID card online. Well, technically your sponsor can, but you get it. After your sponsor applies for it, it will be delivered to your door. There are a few caveats. Sponsor must be a CAC holder and requesting a renewal of an active U.S. ID card. Sponsor and cardholder must have email addresses listed in DEERS that they have authorized DOD to use for contacting them. Sponsor's personnel status must extend at least 30 days in the future from the renewal request date. Cardholder has a photo saved in DEERS taken in the last 12 years. Cardholder's mailing address is present in DEERS and is in the United States. USID cards cannot be shipped to P.O. boxes. Have those I's dotted and T's crossed? Then go ahead and head to the ID card office online and get that shiny new card you've avoided renewing. I just did it last week and I'm anxiously awaiting its arrival. I'll let you know how it goes. Navy sets sights on new museum in D.C. 
The Navy released several concept designs last week for a museum they hope they can garner enough support and funds for in D.C. They hope for the museum to be located in Navy Yard on the Anacostia River. Five out of 37 entries were displayed for the showcase, all submission coming from architectural firms. We are pleased to display five versions for the future of the National Museum of the U.S. Navy, Secretary of the Navy, Carlos del Toro, said in a press release. While each concept is different, all of them show how we might celebrate our Navy's accomplishments, honor our veterans, and point the way toward the Navy's future. These five designs are not guaranteed to run for first place, however, and are meant to garner attention and also entice other firms to throw their hats in the ring as well. It is not the final design competition for actually building the museum. Retired Rear Admiral Samuel J. Cox, the director of the Naval History and Heritage Command, said, but one of these firms could wind up being the finalist for that when it occurs or it could be somebody else. While financial discussions are premature at this point, we are working with the Navy Museum Development Foundation. Lieutenant Ian McConaughey, Public Affairs Officer at Naval History and Heritage Command, told Military.com. The building would constitute 270,000 square feet and about 100,000 square feet of net gallery space. This museum would be the first military museum within the District of Columbia, as both the Army and Marine Museums lie just outside of the city in Northern Virginia. Let's hope for smooth sailing for the Navy as they embark on this ambitious museum enterprise. MFAN is a fan of your application. The Military Family Advisory Network is looking for applicants to join their 2023 to 2025 advisory board. In order to join, you must be a military family member. Their website defines this as the spouse of a veteran, retiree, or separatee, the spouse of a National Guard or Reserve member, the spouse of an active duty service member of any branch of service, the spouse of a wounded, ill, or injured service member, reservist guard member or active duty, a veteran who left service within the last five years. They are, unfortunately, not currently accepting applications from active duty service members, OCONUS spouses, or children, siblings of active duty service members. MFAN's mission statement found on their website states that the Military Family Advisory Network envisions a world where all military-connected families are empowered to thrive. Our mission is to understand and amplify the needs of military-connected families and inspire data-informed change. Get applying, mill spouses. It's your yes that changes the world. Today in history. On April 24, 1898, Spain declared war on America. An often forgotten chapter of American history, the Spanish-American War lasted only three months and three weeks. Long story short, both countries wanted the other country out of the island of Cuba. Spain couldn't risk losing their presence there, as the Spaniard people were still upset over the abandonment of Florida. Spain was worried it would cause a revolution. The U.S. was lobbying behind the Cubans rallying for their independence from Spanish rule. This, in turn, would give the U.S. a much-needed stepping stone to having a presence in the Caribbean. These high tensions boiled over when the U.S. Navy cruiser Maine mysteriously exploded in the Havana Harbor and killed over 200 American sailors. War quickly followed, and the 10-week conflict showcased American heroes like Theodore Roosevelt, but also led to much death, not just in battle, but also from yellow fever. The American victory in this war led to Spain losing the territories of Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. The first two of those became American territories later on. It was also the end of Spanish presence in the New World and the introduction of America as a global contender. That's it for me. I'm Emma Tai with New Six, signing out. 
Thank you, Amy, for offering us a dose of moxie each week, and to Emma for making sure we always have up-to-date news for this military life. Chrissy, what's on the docket for this week's Resource Recon? This week's Resource Recon is all about traveling space A. How many times have you checked the prices of airline tickets to find out that you can't afford your dream vacation? Do you dream about the opportunity to travel abroad? Are you up for an adventure? Well, check this out. The military offers a great way to travel, space available. We'll be the first to admit that space A can seem cumbersome and confusing, but the truth is it really isn't hard. You just have to do your research. As always, we've gathered some great resources to help you. You can locate our compiled resources regarding Space A on our website under resources, then clicking key resources, and then you should see one of the top options being our Space A blog post. I have to say, I have never traveled Space A before. It was a little scary and it just feels um, you have to have a lot of flexibility, but I know a lot of people have had success with it and it's obviously very inexpensive. (laughs) Have you ever used it, Lindsay? I haven't, but it's been something I've been wanting to do because I have heard what you've heard. You need a lot of flexibility, but I had a friend over for coffee and she was like, oh my goodness, we got to make our dream vacation happen and we used it. And so she convinced me. And now that it's the resource recon, I think I'm just going to have to take the leap of faith uh, when we have some flexibility in our schedule and just try, especially now that travel's open back up and uh, it's summer. So maybe for a summer block leave or something, it's worth just giving it a try and definitely reading into the resources and seeing what it's all about. I think you should come my way. Come over to Germany. (laughs) I will take you. We love Germany. So maybe that's where we'll try for the first time is from Texas to Germany and see how it goes. There you go. I think it's um, it's definitely something that's underutilized, but um, the one thing I did here is obviously summer is tricky because of the PCS season. So it's just, you just have to know, you know, the right timing and then you have to be in contact with the people at the location you're going to fly out of. So definitely worth trying. Do your research. <laughs> and luckily, like you were saying about the resource recon is a lot of the research been, has been done by Mission Mill Spouse. So I'll see what, what resources uh, we've gathered from that and Either your family or my family can try to make it work and then share an update on a future podcast. <laughs> Deal. I love that. Awesome. Well, even with resources at our fingertips, sometimes a military spouse life can make anyone kind of weary. Here at Mission Mill Spouse, we've got some empowered mill spouses ready to cheer you on whenever you need to pick me up. Our Mission Mill Spouse Director of Empowerment, Amanda Vickneys, is ready to share how we can celebrate other military spouses in those moments. Right after that dose of empowerment, we'll begin our interview this week with Megan Brown. Let's listen in. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is Amanda Bickneese, your Director of Empowerment, bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Do you know a mill spouse, a service member, family member, community member, or a nonprofit organization who goes above and beyond to empower the military lives of others? Nominate a standout empowerment champion for Mission Mill Spouse's Everyday Empowerment Award. This could be a relative, spouse, nonprofit, or a battle buddy you've met along the way. 
Everyday Empowerment winners will receive a digital certificate, a token of our appreciation, IRL, that's in real life, on-air recognition via our podcast, and be included in a social media reel each month with their fellow winners. Nonprofits that are selected will receive a $100 donation from Mission Mill Spouse to support their continued work within the military community. To nominate someone or a nonprofit, simply head to our website at missionmillspouse.org. Select the Get Involved tab, where you'll then click Empowerment from the drop-down menu, and you'll find that nomination form. We would love to give praise and recognition to spouses and organizations who are helping you throughout your mill spouse journey. Until next time, I'm Amanda Bickneys reminding you, empowered spouses empower spouses. Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are our primary focus. We have more than 2,600 blogs with topics, including PCS, parenting, career guidance, humor, deployment, and more. Whether you're dating a service member, have just said, I do as a new spouse, or are a seasoned spouse with a whole collection of PCS stickers on your furniture, we have something for you. But hey, don't just take our word for it. I'm Lindsay, and when my husband joined the military, I was completely lost when it came to assimilating to military life and culture. This organization made me feel like I had support, a new community I could lean on, and equip me with invaluable information about military spouse life. Tap into all of our empowering resources at missionmillspouse.org or follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse. And hello, Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Dr. Sharita Knobloch, your Mission Mill Spouse Executive Director, and I am so amped to share today's interview with YOU. Today's special guest is Megan Brown, a fun and fantastic military spouse and author. Her newest book, Know What You Signed Up For, recently hit bookshelves, and we are looking forward to sharing more about that today. Megan is a seasoned military spouse, mother, Bible teacher, and military missionary. She's the founder and executive director of Millspo Co. and is passionate about sharing the gospel of Jesus to the active duty military community in hopes of kickstarting restoration and revival. A graduate of Moody Bible Institute with a degree in ministry leadership, Megan lives in South Mississippi with her husband, Master Sergeant Keith Brown, U.S. Air Force, and their four energetic children. Megan, welcome back to the Mission Mills Mouse podcast. Thank you so much. I am thrilled to be here. It's always a joy. It's really cool when we get to have guests back after a season, when they're moving into a new season of excitement, whether that's a publication of a new book, which is your case, launching a ministry, all those kinds of things. So I can't wait to jump in and learn more. But let's start from the very beginning. Remind our listeners, how did you meet your husband, Keith? And did you know his career would be the military? Yeah. So uh, I met my husband after he was already enlisted. Um, He had been in for about a year. And uh, we had met through a mutual acquaintance. And I always joke, man, like that early 2000s BDU black T-shirt was it for me. And so, um, you know, getting a a good look at him in that really nice black T-shirt, we had only known each other for a few short months before we made that trip down the aisle. So we had met through a mutual friend um, in in 2005. And uh, I remember when I met him, uh, he was a very nice, clean cut, Midwestern, organic farm to table kind of guy. 
Um, he had a high insight and a little white Oxford and it was tucked into his very nicely uh, clean jeans with a little belt buckle. And I mean, I had pink hair and a nose ring. So, I mean, like we were a little bit different. I had tattoos way before they were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that um, was so interesting to me, you know, on our first date, I think we were at like an Applebee's somewhere. You got to get after that uh, tequila chicken, whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? Like that chicken yes. wrap, it's it's where it's at. Um, so we were sitting there and I remember him saying to me, you know, I really feel like the Lord is is going to call us to get married. And I thought that was the weirdest pickup line ever. I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I just met you. Like, does that work for you? That is a weird pickup line. And, you know, one of the things that um, he didn't know about me at the time, I was like, dude, I'm an atheist. I don't I don't I, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in my mind, I was like, man, this guy seems very safe. I think that's the only word that I can I can kind of a- accurately describe, mm-hmm. um, you know, the feeling I got when I was around him. And um, we spent the whole evening like walking through, you know, downtown and um, the river walk and, and, and we were in Shreveport. So there's this, you know, right outside of Barksdale Air Force Base, there's this uh, river walk downtown. And he talked about what he wanted his career to be like and that he wanted to be in for 30 years. And he had all these huge career aspirations. And, um, you know, after our first date, you know, our first official date was his uh, squadron Christmas party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Right. We're so we were so young. We were about uh, 20 years old. And um, I remember four months later when we you know, walked down the aisle, I don't really think either of us knew what we were getting into or really had the same idea of what marriage was. Um, and, and for me, you know, about six months after we had been married, you know, he invited me to attend church with him and I was out the night before. I mean, that wasn't something I was interested in. I was like, oh, nah, man, you, you can, you can go to church. I don't church. You can carry me to Chili's after. And, uh, afterwards, um, he looked at me and he's like, Hey, I'm really going to be disappointed if you don't try. I mean, I'm just, I would just love for you to try it. Mm. And, and guys, that black t-shirt, mm-hmm. like he looked good in a black t-shirt. I did not want him to be disappointed. So I got dressed and he took me to this really nice church that looked like the inside of a cruise ship. And I grabbed that Bible they give you in high school. Like it was that new international version with like the leather and the mm-hmm. gold boiling on the edges. And it was still in the wrapping and I was using it as a doorstop. So when people are like, really, Megan, how far from the Lord were you? I'm like, at least a country mile, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to this church, this very large man in a three-piece suit waddles his way to the pulpit and he starts in this very pristine accent when one I do not have, you know, I'm from Louisiana. The accent I have is a lot lower and slower. Um, but he said, all right, beloved, I want everybody to open their Bibles to the book of Ephesians. And there were words in there. I didn't understand what they meant. I, what's an Ephesia? And so mm-hmm. listening to this man unpack an exposition, the first chapter of Ephesians, I feel like I was just knocked over with a feather. I mean, you've been predestined to sonship, adopted from the foundation of the world. You've been chosen uh, that in Jesus, we have been lavished in love that God has blessed us, that he has purchased for himself a people and that he desires relationship with us, the relationship of a parent and a child in that adoption metaphor. And I remember just as a kid that felt really rejected in my own childhood, um, it, it, wrecked me. It was like bullet fire. Just all of a sudden, I felt like I really understood what everyone had been talking about. I mean, I'd heard gospel words before. I mean, I waited tables on Wednesday nights. We got gospel tracks and set of tips. I I knew the words, but 
it just changed me in the moment. And I found myself just kind of in awe. And we walked back to our little, you know, car and I'm crying all over this Bible. And I'm like, is this for real, dude? Like, is this legit? And, you know, he said, I've known this since I was five. I'm so glad you know it now. Like, you want to go to Chili's? I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> and I was, uh, Yeah, bet, bet. Take me to Chili's. So, you know, my story really started with a real good looking dude in uniform. Um, and then my testimony really starts with Jesus and fajitas. I mean, I met the Savior and got Tex-Mex. That was a pretty good day. Um, it's a good day. It's a good day. So, I mean, that's kind of the beginning of our story. I think it's so interesting um, for those of us who have walked kind of a similar path. Um, you know, I was already a believer before I met my husband, but he was a huge catalyst in like pressing in and understanding my faith and like what that actually looked like. Because again, you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't want to fail at it. And that's, you know, a really solid motivation to be like, I don't want to go to church because I don't know where Philippians is. They're going to know, I like, like they're going to know I'm an imposter, you know, because that was my mindset. But my husband was huge and key into what does this look like? And we just, just so happened to be at the same place in our walk. And we got to kind of walk forward together in that. So uh, Megan, I appreciate you sharing the backstory on that. And, um, you know, Jesus and fajitas, I think we've talked about that before. That's, you know, that's the next book that you're going to write. It's Jesus and fajitas. I love oh, that. Yes. You know it. And, and, it's you know, I love that list. you shared that, that you felt like you were going to fail at it. I, I feel like the only invitation I got from women in the church when I first became a believer was to strive as hard as they were striving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it seemed like it was a lot of performance and that, that desire to do everything perfectly really is where I placed kind of the definer of my faith. Can yep. I do the things yep. that they're doing? And, and I found I couldn't. When I found myself in a Sunday school class, and, and guys, I had never Sunday schooled. That was a different experience. The women in the room had known each other since infancy. Um, it was very, very clear to me that the circles were closed, that I was invited to be in the space, but not part of it. I was invited to participate, but not to enjoy community, that I was given a model for what I was supposed to accomplish as a woman. My acceptance was really dependent upon my ability to do it in the same way they did. Is your house clean? Are you presentable? Yeah. Do you use the right four letter words and you don't use the wrong ones? Right, right. Um, it was a lot of performance, you know? Yeah. And that, that can be kind of heavy. Uh, very heavy, actually, not kind of like it really could be. So looking at your journey moving forward from that moment, did you have any idea what military life would look like or what challenges you would be facing as a military family? Oh, man, I, I mean, absolutely not. I think, you know, my uh, dad was in the military and I, I was younger and, you know, he had he was really close to retiring, you know, when when um, I can remember that season well. So, I mean, I had an idea and I think all of us at some degree understood, well, they do things that means they leave every once in a while. But I mean, I really did have a very glorified and, and almost romanticized idea of what this life would be like. Um, and, and man, now that we're at the end and we're looking back on almost two decades of our time together, I'm old. I look 12, but but I'm old. I've got teenagers, guys. Pray for me. Pray for me. You know, it's almost like being through a tornado or a catastrophic loss and looking behind you 
at the destruction behind you and trying to decide, do we fix some of that? Do we move? Do we like, is this a total loss? Is this rebuildable? And, and knowing, you know, our kids are underneath some of that rubble and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, as a family, we've got to decide how we're going to heal from, you know, the long time that we've spent in this. And, and, and I say all of that to say there was no ability to count the cost. And now that we're looking at the bill, we're like, man, we paid more than we Mm. bargained for, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. I totally, I totally feel that in my soul as well. It was like, you don't know, like you don't know what you don't know until you know it, you know, it's like, when, and we'll get to this in a second, but looking at, you know, you know what you signed up for. No, no, we didn't. How the heck could we possibly know? Um, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So Megan, looking at the experiences of the military family um, that you've just kind of shared, what would you say are some of the struggles of the military community that perhaps most people would be surprised to learn about? One of the things that surprised me the most was the unemployment and underemployment issue. Um, you know, when I uh, made my walk down the aisle, I already had a job. I was working um, in property and casualty insurance, which I was licensed for. And um, for a young kid in my 20s, I had a pretty successful career, you know, relatively for, you know, a, an average 20 year old in, in the early 2000s. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to accomplish my own career goals. And while the Lord has greatly restructured, you know, the direction and design, I mean, I wanted to be in the insurance agency pool. I I was working with an insurance company for a really long time. I was with them for almost six years and um, I had some opportunities and and really all I wanted was Mm. to progress up the career ladder. And I mean, obviously that wasn't the direction the Lord had for me, but when I was younger and we moved and I had to renew my licenses in a different state and I had to find another job with the same company in a different state, the weight of PCS on my family and, and how stressful that was and, and how after we had, you know, a certain amount of children, I could not balance it anymore with, with military life. And ultimately I was let go. And mm. Uh, you know, I was so frustrated and resentful for years because I went from having a corner office to, you know, being the resident, you know, snot wiper, butt wiper, dinner cooker. And like, you want to talk about an identity crisis, um, you know, of, of being independent and owning, you know, uh, owning responsibility in my schedule and, and autonomy with my time and my money. And to go from that to being a one income family, that was, that was a shock. And Actually, it resulted in in a handful of years of not only postpartum depression, but I mean, a really hard season for our family because I couldn't figure out where I fit. And 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 even now, um, at at the end of our time, right, my husband is about to hit mm-hmm. the button and none of us are counting the exact days. Yes, we are to when he can do that. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't have a retirement account. I don't have um, a career with longevity after, you know, being an adult for nearly 20 years, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that I have to remember that while my husband has served in the uniform, that it had implications on the things that I sacrificed to support his service to this great country, you know? Absolutely. I totally get that also. I feel like I just identify with so many things you're saying is because I'm just now going back into the working workforce or whatever the the workforce in general and even moving back into it is an adjustment because obviously it's very different from when I was a civilian 
before I had kids, you know, like I'm the default yeah. parent. Like we get it. We're the most of the time the spouse is what I call the default parent. So kid gets sick, needs something, you know, whatever. We're the ones that rise to the occasion. And when you fold in work of any kind, even if it's remote, even if it's mobile, even if it, you know, whatever, that also creates a lot of tension that I think some folks don't quite realize. So it's definitely two sides of the same coin. Um, the identity crisis of what does this look like now? And what is, what does this mean for me as a spouse? So looking at that, tell us about what is the meaning behind the title of your book? Know what you've signed up for. You know, I really love that they let me keep my very salty title. So, you know, what's interesting, you know, Moody, when I approached them for this project back in 2020, I mean, like COVID was in full swing and everyone has time to read, right? It was like when the world shut down, it was like, everybody said, it's, time to take a nap, like let's flatten the curve and unplug all the things. And at the beginning of the pandemic, I just remember everybody saying things like, oh my gosh, like I've absolutely loved not having anywhere to go. I mean, everybody was scared and everybody was overwhelmed, absolutely. But everybody's calendars were also closed. And I don't know how many women said to me, I just feel like for the first time I can breathe because there's literally nowhere I need to be and there's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. So they were reading and they were talking to one another. And, you know, obviously Zoom took off because now we're all Zooming. I was talking to my editor and I said, you know, we need representation in this community. We need to have stories that are just for us. We aren't quote unquote niche. There's 3 million people in the active duty military community and, and 1.8 million military spouses. And, and, and 93% of these people are women. We should probably write books for women in the military spouse community. I mean, it would make very much sense to me. And so I was given an opportunity to edit this line. Mm -hmm. um, so my book, Know What You Signed Up For, is the anchor and Jessica Manfrey's Never Alone is the mm -hmm. launching. Um, and, and it has been one of the greatest blessings of my life to co-labor uh, with Jess Manfrey and, and to help her find her voice um, in, in book publishing. It, you know, it, it has been a joy. And so the meaning behind my title is twofold. One, we're sarcastic people, right? Like, I feel like yes. I, <laughs> I love that they let me be me because mm -hmm. I am not your typical Welcome to the ladies Bible study. This polka dotted tablecloth and centerpiece were made just for you. I am so sarcastic in the way that I teach. I mean, I live in, in 1998 van skate shoes and a flat bill hat. I mean, like I have full sleeve tattoos. It, it just, it, I'm, I'm a little salty and, and sarcastic. And so the title was meant to one, catch our attention because I mean, we all have heard it. And, and nothing will induce an eye roll or a mental throat punch like that phrase. Um, and, and secondarily, the meaning really for me behind the title is this. In the same way that I did not know what I was getting into, what I was signing up for, when I looked down the aisle at this fine looking dude, all I could see was adventure and stability and and we all laughed because, you know, unrealistic expectations. Stability. Right. Ha, no stability. Um, but I, I saw this very rose colored picture of what our life would look like in the same way when Jesus has his hand outstretched and he says, I want to offer you a lifetime of love all the way into eternity. I want you to know me, walk with me, 
serve my people. I want you to be in this family. You're found. You're loved. I've done it all. Mm. Man, you're not counting costs. Mm-hmm. I'm not counting costs. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying to myself, God, what are you going to ask me to trust you with? God, what are you going to ask me to do? What things are you going to ask me to sacrifice? What parts of myself that are not pleasing to you because they're motivated in selfishness, what are you going to ask me to kill myself? What are you going to ask me to lay down? What are you going to ask me to give up? I'm not asking any of those questions. And the title to me is an invitation to know that absolutely you are invited into a right relationship with God, the father empowered in the Holy spirit saved by the son. Yes. And that there's a job to do with that, that, that when, when Christ, before he ascended said to his disciples and, and his followers go therefore and make disciples teaching and baptizing in the name of the father, the son, and the spirit that I will be with you to the end of the age. When he said Mm -hmm. that, He took into consideration that we were selfish, broken, sin-soaked people who lived in jacked up circumstances, um, that we would screw it up and that our lives would be hard. I mean, if you read John 17, he promises it'll be hard. He tells us to go and make disciples faults and circumstances notwithstanding. It means if we profess to be a believer, if you're listening and you're like, I'm a Christian and a military spouse, it means we have a job and know what you signed up for as a field guide for military spouses who follow Christ who want to know what that actually looks like in longevity. And it's also an invitation for young military spouses who have not heard the gospel, who don't know that there's a God that is in pursuit of their hearts. Um, It's a love letter to them, an invitation to the table, um, and a realistic picture of what it looks like to be in the family of faith and to do the work of the ministry, right? So um, it's a field guide and an invitation. That is beautiful. I love that framework of like the field guide and the invitation because I love me a good field guy and I love I love the thought of like inviting others, whether they're new spouses or maybe seasoned spouses that, you know, haven't heard it like this or maybe they've been hurt in the past and they're just a little bit wary of pursuing something like this, you know, diving in deeper to their faith. And so setting it up for it like that, I appreciate it in the book. I appreciate all of your anecdotes and all of your stories. So I was like, oh yeah, I get that. Oh yeah, I hear hear that in my own story. And so I feel like a lot of the listeners, much like Jess Manfrey's book, they're really going to be able to connect with that personal touch that both of you have really pressed in to these new books from Moody Publishing um, within the military line. So we are always learning new things about military families. More and more research is happening, such as constant moving, disconnection from family and friends, need for community. So what would you say, Megan, how are these families holding it all together? Oh man, the short answer is that they are not at all. Um, You know, coming off the road this month, we were able to visit, you know, a couple of different installations. And we had these very candid conversations with women who are involved with ministry, women who are leading ministries, women who are just in and around spiritual spaces. And we're all exhausted. Everyone is tired. The same questions seem to kind of be reappearing in every location. I mean, we were at three different locations with three different groups of women. Mm -hmm. Is this all that there is? Mm -hmm. Is this it? Like, Am I always going to be this frustrated? Am I always going to be this tired? 
Am I always going to be grieving the last thing I lost or recovering from the last friend I had to say goodbye to? Am I going to have to constantly do this over and over and over? I don't know if I can do it anymore. I don't even want to. I'm so tired. Tired. So tired. (laughs) I'm so tired. And, you know, when I wrote this book, I wrote it for three distinct types of women, right? And, and, and as an author, if you're listening to this and you're a content creator, you might get a kick out of this. But like, I do this thing before I write a book where I literally spend an entire day just thinking and praying for my reader. Um, and, and there are three readers for this book and I've named them all. <laughs> they all have names. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the first is a, I call her Chloe. She's young, just had a baby by herself. She can't get out of sweatpants. She knows no one. Her mom is seven states away. None of her friends understand her. And she cries more often than not. She's the one on the spouse's page. You know, hi, my name is Chloe. I have a Corgi and I love Target. And for the love, someone, anyone, anyone, please talk to me. I'm so lonely. I'm going to die. The second one um, is uh, about 10 years in. Uh, Her name is Jennifer, but we call her Just Jen. Just Jen is the one that does all the things. She's the leader of the, the, the spouse's club. She's the president. She's the PTA mom. She's got young kids. She's conquering it. And she really believes that she'll survive the military spouse life with just the right checklist. And she does all the things all the time. She knows everybody, but no one really knows her. She's really concerned about her image. The picture of perfection, but if you got to know her for half a second, you'd know she's a hot mess express that can't keep anything together. It just <laughs> looks real good. Yeah, those checklists ain't working for everything, baby. But, oh. you know, it's for her um, because all she really wants is to be seen. And she won't let that happen because it would compromise her perfect image. And she can't have that, right? And then the last one, I, I've named her Erin. Erin is an 18-year military spouse who is waiting for the rest that never comes, maybe on the other side of this PCS, maybe on the other side of this deployment, maybe on the other side of the season where my my husband's boss doesn't, you know, suck as much as he does, maybe on the other side of this or that. And and with with the never ending demands on her time, she doesn't even know who she is anymore. She doesn't have the emotional or mental bandwidth to make friends or live missionally. And her big question is, how am I supposed to do this when I suck at everything? <laughs> mm. You know, um, and, and spoiler alert, guys, like they're all a version of me, <laughs> right? Like I, when I'm sitting down and I'm thinking about my own story, like they're all a version of all of us. I mean, my husband was not gone when my you know children were born, but I've watched it in ministry enough times to see that there's a specific pain that's there. They need encouragement. I was never the president of a spouse's club. But uh, if anybody who knows me is listening, they're like, I've seen your schedule. You're a crazy person. Mm. Um, And then if you've heard me anytime in the last two years, I've looked around being like, what have we done? You know what I mean? Like, what does this really cost? Yeah. So it's for all of us. It's for it's for all of us, whether we're young, whether we're we've been around a minute and we're still trucking or whether we're at the end and we're going, where did the last 12 13, 18 years ago. Where did they right. go? Yep. Yeah, I appreciate the diversity of the message because it does apply to so many different spouses in different seasons of their journey. Um, and so I can see the intentionality that went into that aspect of the creation of this 
of this book. So thank you so much, Megan, for sharing so far about your military spouse journey and your empowering new book, Know What You Signed Up For. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about Megan's book, go ahead, check it out on Amazon or a number of other booksellers. You can also connect with Megan online at Meg Brown Writes, that's M-E-G Brown Writes on Facebook or her website, Megan B as in Bravo Brown.com. Before we go to break, we're going to thank Megan and her publisher so much for donating five Yes, five free copies of her book. So in order to win, be sure to go check out the social post sharing about this podcast on the broadcast date. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Megan Brown. After the commercial break, we're going to be going even deeper into her experience as a military spouse and author. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Megan Brown, Air Force spouse, author, and founder, executive director of Millspo Co. So, Megan, let's jump back into the conversation. Tell us even more about your new book. What motivated you to write it? Really, I think so many of us, so many of us are asking questions about what it actually means to be on mission as a military spouse. You know, when I thought about the need for this book, there's so many of us that are looking at at our ability to give our capacity, our bandwidth, and we're saying, what does it actually look like? What does it actually look like to serve the Lord by making disciples? And And I think so many of us might even have a misunderstanding of what it means to make disciples. I mean, we've seen the church ministries, we've seen the big platforms, we've seen the everybody buy this book and we'll spend the next six weeks doing day by day homework, which, you know, I've written one of those. I love those tools. Don't get me wrong. I love those tools. But in the military space, discipleship is so much more about a relationship than it is a program. It's a person and not a project. It's doing life alongside others, where you live, where you occupy space. And, 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 and man, the place we start is within ourselves. It's really empowering the way you framed that and your motivation behind it. We can really hear your heart. And I just want to, I want to commend you for, I'm sure the hundreds, if not thousands of hours that it took you to write this book, because it's, it's clear to see your heart within it. Um, looking at the content of your book, what would you say are three key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience about your book? Know what you've signed up for. You know, one of the the first things, you know, before I get into the points to share about the book is that it was really short. I know that I have the attention span of a gnat and <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth in my schedule to read, you know, a 75,000 word novel um, as much as I would love that for me. I would love that journey for me. That's not my journey now. Um <laughs> It's, it's, it's readable in less than three hours. Mm-hmm. We timed it. If uh, so many people messaged me and said, I was able to read it in one sitting and that never happens for me. You know, when we were crafting this line, we did that on purpose. So if you like me 
are a neurospicy unicorn that can't pay more attention than I have snacks, right? Like, like when the <laughs> snacks run out, so does the attention. <laughs> Uh, yes. So we wrote it for all of us so that we could read it well. But but the three points, really, it's actually broken up into three parts because there, there are three main takeaways. The first is that the Lord is inviting you into a relationship with himself. And when I became a new believer, I didn't know what that meant. I thought being a Christian was just a lot of doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand that I was being called into a relationship that looked and felt and and functioned for God's glory and my good. I had no idea what that meant. Um, and it outlines what it actually means to be in a relationship with the creator and sustainer of the universe and the finished work of Christ. The second point is that there's a place that you belong. When you give your life to the Lord, you belong in his church. You belong with his family. You have a spot. There's an open chair and we've saved it for you. And then lastly, is that we've got a job to do when when we have been served in the church. And please hear me say, like I even say it in the book, if you have never been to church and you show up at a church and it's your first time there and they don't know you, they don't know your story and they ask you to serve in the nursery or pour coffee, run for your life, go mm -hmm. somewhere else. They don't understand. Yeah. They don't get it. Like I, I barely brushed my teeth this morning and it took every ounce of self-control I had to put on people pants to get here. I'm not serving today. Right. No, uh, don't do it. Look for a church that will serve you in this season, because if you are a new believer or if you're even a non-believer and you're like, I don't know about all this, mm -hmm. please hear me say, if, if you ever found yourself in a church and you got hurt, accept the apology for me because they shouldn't have done the things that they did. Um, and they don't all represent Christ well. Yeah. They don't all do it well. And if you found yourself with a copy of this book in your hand or someone recommended it to you, it's because the Lord is still chasing you down. Mm. Don't fault the church who is full of broken people and, and, and broken issues uh, with and equate that with the Father's love for you. That isn't it. So the second is what it looks like to be held in a church. There's, there's a way to determine if you're being mm -hmm. held in a church. And then finally, when you have been held in a church and you do understand that you are in a loving relationship with God, the father, and that you do have brothers and sisters in Christ that love and care for you and serve your family, then you have a job to do. And that is to make disciples. That is to share the love that you're receiving, share the gifts that you have been given with those who still have not found it. Yeah, that's it's it's really a love letter. I'm just processing uh, because I love the idea of being held. And I think the key with this, with your takeaways, and what I heard a lot in your book was really embracing the different seasons because you're going to have seasons where you're like, especially if you're, you know, you've got the bandwidth because sometimes we do and we're like, woohoo, America, let me make the coffee and eat the donuts and love the people. There's other seasons, you know, so I have a I have an analogy, like when we were at JBLM at Fort Lewis, we were hardcore. It was a season where we could serve in huge, huge ways. Mm -hmm. And we were shepherding hard and it was awesome, exhausting, plus or minus, but awesome. And then we transitioned, moved to a new duty station, and we went from shepherding to I created a verb and I called it sheeping. And I was like, yes. this is now a season yes. of sheeping and being <laughs> like, held and being nurtured and we're not in charge in this brief season and then we transition again and we were rested and be like okay now what does this look like again so for us as our family it's very it's very cyclical you know we're not up on rock stars all the time but 
even in those seasons of sheeping, we're still rock stars. We're just maybe a little more quiet. We're just a little more gentle and we're being held and we're being taken care of. I think that's something so beautiful from a spouse perspective because we don't always have to be that person doing all the things. And so Amen. I'm, I'm getting a little Ted talky there, but yes, no, I love it. Ted talk continued. <laughs> and I am going to co-op the sheeping and hashtag <laughs> Dr. Knobloch. Like that is amazing. Yes. Yes. There are seasons where I was shepherding and, and, you know, we were here at Keesler and church planting and killing it. And then we get to Warner Robins in 2018 and little did I know that I would be going into a season where it was mm-hmm. a deployment and a short yep. tour back to back. And, and y'all, uh, my sheepy butt got beat. I got beat up. I was like, I don't even know if I can breathe. I don't even, yep. I can't, I, where are we? Who yes. are we? What is this? And it's horrible. Somebody yeah. send help. And yeah. so, you know, going from being someone who's high capacity and, and here's the other truth, guys, like my job was to create community groups when we were here at Keesler and when we got to Robbins, I couldn't even participate in community. And for someone who strategizes, builds and, and, and pioneers the, the pipeline for community, I could not get there. Mm -hmm. And it was the loneliest two years of my adult life. And I remember begging the Lord to just get me to 8 PM. Like I was so miserable, depression, you know, and, and if you followed me on Facebook back in that time, you'd be like, oh, man, that girl really likes carbs. I mean, I was eating tater tots with all manner of craziness on top of it. But the the behind the scenes story is that, man, I, I was undiagnosed with ADHD and it was the only food I could make myself eat. And I my weight was going up, you know, plus or minus 30 pounds. My depression was like a, a, a tidal wave every two minutes. Like I feel like I would get my head above water and I was dragged right back down. Mm. And so, you know, all the anxiety, all the depression, all the weight gain and loss, all of the inability to regulate anything. I mean, we felt like we were drowning for, yep. you know, two solid years. And so to come out of that again and now being in a high serving season where every day is pedal to the metal and it feels like a perpetual Monday. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, we're, we're out of it, but I'll never forget what the Lord showed me when I wrote this book. I wrote this book in the throes of one of the worst seasons of my life. One, there's a difference between urgency and haste that mm-hmm. I started writing this book years ago and the proposals for this thing got turned down probably three times before it got taken but the yeah. Lord had not brought me through that horrible season that really made this book what it is. And I would encourage everyone on the line that is wondering, will this season ever end? They do. But there's something in this season that may not even be for you. It's horrible and it feels like a punishment. But if we can change our minds and we can say that this season of waiting isn't a punishment. It's actually God's provision for us. Mm -hmm. It might help you keep your eyes on the horizon, knowing that it won't always be this way, but that there are things he's teaching you in here and letting you experience. I I, I called my mentor crying while I was writing this book. And I was like, this sucks. It's a dumpster fire. I'm useless. I don't know. (laughs) It's terrible. The cursor is cursing at me. Make it stop. Ah, yeah. ah, it's terrible. I'm a dumpster fire. She said, and I'll never forget this. She said, you're experiencing something your reader is experiencing every day and how she feels all the time right in it. 
That's powerful. That's powerful. And it really goes along with what we're trying to do here at Mission Mill Spouse is make that, cultivate that culture, create that culture of solidarity of, hey, yo, when you're struggling, when you're sheeping, when you're shepherding, when you're just whatever you're doing, you're not alone in that because we all have seasons of hooray America and we all have seasons of I need an adult. Oh man, I am the adult. This is not good. And I think, again, your book really speaks to that. So I appreciate your heart in that. And, um, you know, that capacity in which you are encouraging spouses of all seasons, of all ages, of all walks of their life and their faith. Clearly you are an encourager. And so my next question is, what encouragement are you offering to the military community and the civilian population in light of your experience as a spouse? You know, my encouragement to both is that we belong together. And what I mean by that is like inside of the church, I think sometimes military families are treated like perpetual visitors. We're not utilized. We're not encouraged. We're not served. We're not invested in. And there was two, there were two reasons I wanted to write this book the way I wrote it. One is I wanted there to be a resource specifically created, crafted for us. And simultaneously, I wanted the church to have an outreach tool, meaning I think every women's ministry leader should read this book. Because mm-hmm. it offers a window. You know, Jessica and I both wanted to offer a window into what our lives are actually like. Why we hurt all the time. Why our lives are a little messy. Why we have difficulty in relationship with women that say things like, my husband goes on business trips uh, too. Yeah. Yes. No, not the same. Why we feel like, you know, I'm not bringing, I don't make a covered dish for me. I'm not making one to share. Like, I Um, Can it come from Domino's? Can I be like, why? I don't have time for this. And to really communicate, we have real needs. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately to the local church, to our civilian brothers and sisters, this is the encouragement. I truly believe in my very bones based on the things that we've seen in the last five years, that the next enormous revival, the third great awakening, I think, is going to come from women in the military spouse space. I've seen women who are gathering around their coffee tables with a copy of the Bible and not much else. And there are women that are coming to the Lord in droves because of the faithfulness of the women in our community to shepherd one another. The Lord is using it. And Mm -hmm. I would say to the local church that the difference in my community between a wayward husband and a found husband, a wayward child and a lost child is a woman with the gospel. And Mm. if the Lord is doing what I think he's doing, and I think he is, he is in pursuit of these women and he is transforming lives and he is giving that transformation away through the women in our community. And we are seeing church plants out of this. There's a denomination that currently is pipelining these guys from service into shepherding and to see the warrior class in a pulpit, Sharita, is the coolest thing I've ever (laughs) seen. It's the coolest thing. And they are planting churches and they have 40 of them right now near installation. And they have a goal of getting to 250 in the next two years. And so with all that's happening on the ground, the church, if they really want to get involved with gospel mission and they really want the gospel to travel to the known world, read the book of Acts. The military Mm -hmm. has always carried it. Yes. Oh, that's so good. We ride at dawn. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Let's go. Um, And I think it's so important to reach out to our civilian counterparts to create, 
you know, within the church, within that religious spiritual community, a deeper cultural competence of the military lifestyle. Because again, what you just said, Megan, of there's, there's a big disconnect there. And, you know, my own research has shown that like military spouses usually don't go to their church, even if they're highly religious or spiritual, because they don't get it, you know, and it's really hard to minister to someone who just, you're like, you, I love you so much, but you literally have no idea what exactly like you truly can't understand. Like, um, just an example. I love our little, we, we go to a little home church. We hosted yesterday, um, little, little, little tiny church. And I love our pastor and his wife, but my husband was in the field this weekend. It was a very short field thing. Not a big thing for me. I was like, hooray, it's not a deployment or a giant TDY. I'm here for this. And so we still host a church. Like we brought people to our house and did these things. And um, my pastor's wife was like, hey, if my husband is gone, these things don't happen. I was like, if I based my stuff on that, I would never do anything ever. You know, and so ever. Nothing would happen. so really pressing into that, I think is huge. So as we wrap up our conversation, share with us where our listeners can go to learn more about your mission to support spouses. Yeah, so you can visit my website, MeganBBrown.com. There's two Bs because apparently Megan Brown is owned by an eight-year-old soccer player and they don't want to sell it. Um, But it's MeganBBrown.com. Or if you're interested in figuring out what we do at MillsFoco, we recruit, raise up, and release military-connected women as paid and prepared vocational missionaries. You can find more about us at millspoco.com. We're also on social. And you can find me over at Military Spouse Magazine, where I love to write and have a standing column. Well, Megan, I've had a great time chatting with you today, of course. I always love our conversations. And so you've given us so much great information to share with our listeners here at Mission Mill Spouse. But as we close out this conversation, share with us like some mic drop info, that piece of advice or expertise from your angle to navigate this military life. Oh, amen. Okay, here's the key. You have to discover how you and your spouse deal with disappointment. When I think about the beginning, the one thing I wish I would have known is how I could communicate how and and what I do when I am disappointed and how he deals with disappointment. Because if I have found one thing, we are always disappointed in something. You never get the Mm. job you want, the community (laughs) you want, or the church you want in the same place ever. You never get all three. You're lucky if you get one. And so when you have an area or a source of disappointment in your life, and let's be real, the military spouse life, the military life in general, it's not a bad life. It's a great life. I've made Mm -hmm. the most amazing friends and had the most amazing opportunities. And we have seen a large majority of the, of the Southeast, um, you know, in our, in our lovely United States, um, we've had high and low experiences. It's not that the life is bad, but the bad days are pretty bad. And on those bad days, how do you deal with the disappointment? Mm -hmm. For me, my husband and I have gotten a PhD if you will, in understanding how the other deals with disappointment and being the solution to that disappointment, to being a place where he can hold my sadness and frustration, Mm -hmm. where I will be a place that he can unpack his disappointment with love, care, and concern. It's been the way that we've maintained this, you know, marriage of almost two decades is by learning to be very aware. And it's so funny. You know, I said it earlier, I am an ADHD unicorn. 
And my husband has figured out the life hack. Are you ready for this, Sharita? This is hilarious. I'm ready. I'm sitting down. I'm listening. On the days that I am insane, right? Like the calendar's nuts. I'm I'm going crazy. The kids are going crazy. Instead, because what he used to do is he used to come in the door. What are you doing? What are we doing for dinner? And and I would oh. get homicidal. <laughs> like I can't. what are what do you mean? dinner the tears of our forefathers that's right right for dinner get away from me right so this is what he does now and it's kind of my favorite thing he'll pop in and he'll be like hey babe guess where we're going to dinner oh and i'll be like are you gonna take me to chick-fil-a and he's like you bet i'm taking us to chick-fil-a because he knows i have decision fatigue i have decision fatigue i don't want to say what do you want me to order for dinner because i don't know right but if he's like, guess where we're going? Something about my weird brain. I'll tell him. <laughs> but it, but it, he's serving me. Mm-hmm. But he's not taking from me or expecting me to decide. And I don't feel like I am holding that decision. And it's not just my responsibility to feed all of our gremlins and myself that, that you know, we've learned how to deal with disappointment well. And we've learned how to manage our expectations well. So learn how you deal with disappointment, learn how they deal with disappointment and try to learn how to, you know, utilize healthier coping mechanisms because uh, we don't always do that well. And uh, to be the solution to some of it. Yeah, those things are hard won victories and they require a lot of intentionality and a lot of using your words and understanding your partner And, you know, Brandon and I, we are still in that season of some days we like nail it. And other days it's like, I think my head is going to melt. Please do not ask anything of me. Like I want to love and serve all you humans and all you people, but today just blew up in my face. And so I need a minute. We're having leftovers or it's a, I call it a free for all. Be like, fend for yourself, everybody what's in the fridge, have a great time when it comes to things like supper. Um, but I love that he is so intentional about like, Hey, where we, where do you think we're going? And then he just handles it. Um, super empowering. But again, that didn't come easy. I know that didn't come easy. That took a lot of conversations and a lot of like paying attention to each other and, and, and clinging to one another, but also, you know, for you and me clinging to our faith, clinging to, um, to our Jesus. And so, Oh, it's just good stuff. Just good, good stuff, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today to share your powerful resources with our listeners. And as always, we will always thank you so much for serving our community, bringing the light of Jesus wherever you go. So thank you for that. Amen, girl. It's always good to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again to today's guest, author and military spouse, Megan Brown. We wish her all the best as she continues to empower spouses with her book, her nonprofit work, feeding her gremlins, Chick-fil-A trips, and all the things that encompass her passion for serving in the kingdom. So now let's swing back over to our metaphorical studios to hear today's hosts about their reflections on our show. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. 
Remember, we've been there, you aren't alone, we've got your six. Thank you once again to Megan Brown for sharing such encouragement with us on the Mission Mills Bells podcast. Likewise, if you want to connect with Megan, check her out online via her website, www.meganbrown.com. Likewise, if you want to connect with Megan, check her out online via her website, www.meganbbrown.com. On Instagram, at Megan Brown Writes, and Facebook, Megan B. Brown. Chrissy, what were your thoughts on the interview? Well, first of all, I have to say that I have met Megan in person and she is just a light. Like you can hear it in her voice through a podcast, but just having her face to face in front of you, like it just really builds you up. And I'm so happy that she wrote this book to try and, you know, like push that out to other people and share it with the world. It's just wonderful. But, um, I have not read her book. I'm really excited now to get it, obviously. But um, I just love how she talks about when she prepared to write the book, how she kind of wrote it for three different people. And she was like super intentional, intentional about who those people were. And they were super relatable. And I feel like I've actually been in each of those situations at one point or another in my life or in, you know, like in a season. And so I just, I just love that she was really focused on that and like really trying to reach those people. Right. Right. Well, first of all, I'm super jealous you've met her because as soon as I listened to the interview, I text our executive director, Sharita, and I was like, Megan is amazing. I want to meet this woman. So that's awesome. You got to meet her. And I totally agree with you of the three specific women uh, she wrote the book for uh, kind of portraying a variety of different women and, but was really specific on the kind of people group she was really hoping to reach and the first person um, that she was describing that she wrote it for, it yes. just hit me right in the heart because I'm like, it just felt like she was talking to me. Um, yes. And then like you and said, you could relate. Yeah. Well, I definitely, I felt this. I mean, I've definitely been in that situation. Obviously I have older children now. And so um, that was more of that, like you're very child centered and very focused on the very like nuances of every like, new parenting thing. And I feel like I've, you know, I dove into that at one point and now I've kind of, kind of come out of that and moved into that second one that she's talking about. And I'm like, okay, I can see this. Like I'm that person now, you know, like trying to maybe hide a little bit more, but also I did love, she's like, she kind of just said, you know, like there's always a lesson in everything. Whereas like, it might not be what you wanted, but it's exactly what you need. And like, you know, she just obviously was going through something herself and she learned like, I'm going through this. Other people are probably going through this as well. I should share because, you know, they need to know that they're not alone. Just such good, good energy. Yeah. Yeah. One that hit me in the heart was when her and Trader were bouncing back and forth about the difference seasons of shepherding and being the sheep. And that one also got me because I'm like, man, I am in a season where I am the sheep. And if you listen to the whole interview, um, you'll, you know, the listeners will understand what I'm referencing, but it's just so cool. It was freeing for me to hear because I have had seasons where I felt like, you know, the shepherd of like serving others and going all into ministry and going all into serving. And then there's other seasons where it's like, man, this is maybe my season to be loved on and supported. And I think as military spouses and just in general, 
um, as humans that go through great times and difficult times, it's just freeing mm-hmm. to be reminded, like, it's okay. If you're in a shepherding season, then yeah, go all out and serve and get connected and do what you're passionate about. But if you're in a sheep season and you need to be loved on, or you need to do certain things for yourself um, to be supported and for self-care, then that's okay too. So man, that was so relieving for me. And then just her background, um, just hearing her love for Jesus and her faith, my faith is super important to me. And so learning how to blend the military lifestyle with faith um, Mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting dynamic. And so hearing someone else do it and she's just doing it so well and so boldly, I just felt super inspired. So I was so happy this was the uh, the podcast to host and co-host together because <laughs> it was a really great interview, I felt. But alas, all good things must come to an end. Never fear, there's more Mission Mill Spouse podcast episodes already in the works. Catch our mini cast episodes every Thursday and our next full-length podcast dropping on Monday as we chat with Marcus Brotherton and Tosca Lee about their book, The Long March Home. Go ahead and subscribe to our podcast on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or on your chosen podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. As we wrap up, we want to remind you that if you would like to support our mission, please consider donating to our cause. Remember, we're a 501c3, so all contributions are tax deductible. We invite you to consider joining us on our mission in other ways as well. We're always seeking bloggers to contribute once per month submissions. All spouses from all branches and all components are welcome. If you've got a resource for military spouses, please inquire about being a guest on our podcast. Our season books up very quickly, so don't wait. Email hello at missionmillspouse.com or send us a direct message on any social media outlet. Whether you're in a season of hurry up and wait, embracing the suck, or keeping calm and mill spousing on, thank you for letting us be a part of your mill spouse squad. No matter what you're facing, we want you to remember, we've been there. You're not alone. We've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team, signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Millspouse. Snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Millspouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.